Alright, I've only got that much, but it's all good. Alright, let's go for it. Hello and welcome to Filling in the Gaps. I'm Justin. I'm Darren. And today we are going to be talking about Resolution. This is a movie from 2012. It is connected to The Endless, which we have already spoken about. But the Endless doesn't come out for like another five years. So Resolution came out 2012, The Endless comes out 2017, and Spring came out in 2014. Oh, was it 14? I thought it was 15, yeah. So yeah, pretty much, what is it, every two years they made a movie then? Almost? Or almost like every two and a three, bit, two, but, two and a but The Endless is so much more... Okay, compared to Resolution, The Endless is a much bigger movie in kind yeah. of every way. So I'm surprised that they could kind of do it in almost the same amount of time. Mm. There's not a lot to say about this movie without giving things away. If you've heard us talk about The Endless before, then you probably have gotten a hint as to what this movie is about. It essentially starts off with a friend, Mike, going off to help his other friend kind of kick the habit. And that's really how things start. And beyond that, it gets a bit weird. And it is quite an interesting movie, but it very much kind of feels to me unfinished, I think, unless you've already seen The Endless, in which case the story feels as though it's been complete. Yeah, um, that's one of the first things that I, I noticed about that, because I didn't know about this movie. I'd seen a trailer for The Endless way back before it came out, and I was like, oh, I have to see this. This looks great. Never heard of Resolution. Watched The Endless, thought it was amazing. Went back, watched Resolution, thought it was really good, and it, it's a different kind of movie, but I would reckon, I don't know, now that you've seen it like I have, we spoke about this before that we were going to discuss this. Do you think that that's a good order to watch it in? Watch The Endless first, and then watch Resolution almost as a kind of a prequel? Yes. Uh, without getting into spoilers, I would say yes, that it definitely works well because in a way that no other prequel really can, in the fact that having seen The Endless first and then going back to Resolution, when you go back to Resolution, yeah, everybody's a bit younger, they made it before. It's a prequel that actually is a prequel. It, it was made before mm. and the story ties in, but you don't necessarily need to see Resolution to understand the endless. Yeah, but I think if you'd seen Resolution mm -hmm. and then you saw and you're watching The Endless, you might not pick up on everything. But once you get to a certain part of that movie, you'd be like, oh, the ball would drop and you'd be like, oh, this movie is connected. Yeah. I think you could go either way on this one, honestly. But, I then, but I think then the movie would be ruined because you would know the ending of Resolution. You'd be waiting for something. You'd kind of be waiting for something to happen, the whole movie, I think. But I think that's fine. Mm. I think if you intend to watch both movies, seeing this one and then seeing the second one and getting a real understanding of what was happening in the first one, I think it's fine. I do worry that people might see Resolution. And as I said, the ending feels a bit unfinished. It feels like it's not all there. That would really bother me if I'd seen that first, I think. Right. And that might have put me off of seeing The Endless. So for people who haven't seen it, who haven't listened to our other episode about The Endless, I would suggest if you're going to see Resolution, you have to kind of go in with the mindset of you're going to see Resolution and then see The Endless. You are going to feel, I think, as I did, that Resolution doesn't really feel like it has a resolution at the end. But it does. You just don't really understand what it is until you get kind of the rest of the story in The Endless. 
One of the problems I have with prequels is that they're often trying to connect all the dots to make everything match up, when really you don't have to make absolutely everything match up. I won't bash on the, the Star Wars prequels too much for this, <laughs> but they're definitely very guilty of it. But the one that I would probably say is more the Planet of the Apes, the recent kind of reboot, I guess. Caesar? They kind of built it to lead into the original movies, which is fine. I think that's a great way to go about it. But they tried, especially in the last one, it was kind of like every single dot that needed to connect to some sort of story element in, you know, the original one with Charlton Heston. We need to make everything match up exactly. And I just felt like that last one, they really just pushed it too hard. In this one, it's not like that. They made a totally separate story that just becomes a, a small kind of blip but an important one in The Endless. So yeah, for me, I think you could watch it either way, but there is something special to have seen The Endless and then to get that prequel because it is, I would say also, it is its own story. So it doesn't feel like it was tacked on just to give something more. Yeah. It was its own story that just happens to connect. Something like what I believe they're trying to do with the Cloverfield movies. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think you go either way, but honestly, watching The Endless first gives so much more meaning to what's going on in Resolution. Yeah, I would definitely recommend watching The Endless first, for sure. I liked it that way. But again, I'll never know what it feels like to have watched Resolution first and then go in and watch The Endless. So, yeah. so if you have seen Resolution first and then The Endless... By all means, let us know what you thought of that, because we both did it in kind of the wrong order, because we found the endless first. And with that, I think that's probably it for the spoiler-free section, yeah? Yeah, spoiler territory ahead. All right, so if you have not seen Resolution, and I would probably say if you have not seen The Endless, it'd probably be time to go watch those, because we're going to be talking about those now. Yeah, both of them. <laughs> So, spoiler section, resolution. You said that you've seen Spring, and you didn't like it as much. It was okay. It I, just... I still haven't seen it yet. I spent... I watched this movie twice over the weekend to kind of make notes. Mm. I'll still try it, but like you said, it's probably not quite as good. It's it's a fine film. It's just it's not what I expected, and it's got some parts in it that I was just a bit like, nah. That's... But... All three of these movies are set in the same universe. They are. They've got some of the same... They mention the same characters from movie to movie. It's usually always... Carl that gets mentioned. <laughs> so he's mentioned in, in... I think you see him in Spring as well. He works in a bar or something like that. But that's it. He's just like... It's a name drop, but it does kind of solidify that theory that, yeah, this is all happening at the same time, really, in the same universe. But yeah, Spring is is nothing like The Endless or Resolution. So don't go in expecting that kind of movie, which is maybe why I didn't like it, because I was expecting something like that, and it's not that. All right. The movie starts off with Mike receiving a video. Well, we don't know that he's received it, we're told later, but he's watching a video of Chris being ridiculous in the woods, and he just seems drunk and kind of off his gourd, really. Yeah. There's also a map. Now, we don't know that he's been sent these things, but... Doesn't he, like, shoot else? his hand off or something like that in the movie? Does he? I think so. Or he cuts his hand or something like that, but he's, like, bleeding out of his hand and stuff. Yeah, he's, a, he's in bad shape. Poor Chris. 
It's at this point that we get the first kind of camera kind of wonkiness. There's like a light and a shake. So I'll probably for the most part just refer to it as a camera shake from now on. But this is very, very important. It almost looks in the beginning as though it's accidental. Whoops, they missed that in editing. But <laughs> you can tell later on that it's clearly important. And it comes up at very interesting times, which I'm sure you've noticed and yeah. we'll be bringing up with some sort of theory. <laughs> Mike is laying down with his wife, Jennifer. Jennifer is telling him this is a bad idea. I have no idea what she's talking about. He basically says, oh, it'll just be a week. And if he says no, I'll come right back, which is a lie. Mike is very much a liar. I don't know how to say like he he's definitely a liar, but he's not necessarily like a bad liar or an evil liar. He's not trying to get one over on somebody or trying to cheat anybody out of anything. He's really doing it for what I think think he believes is the greater good and that's why he's doing it yeah but that's my personal opinion people may think he's a terrible person but i, I find Mike, that hard. no yeah. i even wrote down my notes I, right at the end just like i feel really sorry for them because like what did they do to deserve that mike's not a bad guy and neither is even chris really you know he's just he's, he's just a guy with a drug problem that we know from here. Sure, Apparently sure. he's done some really awful stuff in the past, though. Yeah. That's really just kind of hinted at. I would have liked to have known something. Because there's a point where Chris asks if Jennifer hates him. And Mike says, yeah. It's something about the wedding. Like, yeah. Yeah, well, after what you did at the wedding. Oh, I probably got <laughs> a drunk. A lot of people are mad at you. I think he just got drunk and made a fool of himself, you know? Or said something really shocking, you know? I don't think he did something, like awful awful but he doesn't seem like a terrible person in fact he seems like a very good person i mean i'll mention this again later but right at the end mike is saying people like you because you're funny and yeah you're you're definitely a likable guy people like you yeah that's why you've been able to survive <laughs> yeah. even though you've been such an idiot yeah you know? so i think we are looking at to at least at their core kind of good characters good people or else the movie doesn't quite work. Everybody else around them, I mean, ignoring Jennifer, but everybody else around them in this movie is not the best. <laughs> Understatement. And I think that that's interesting as well. Kind of these poor two guys trying to, I don't know, be good in a world that's kind of terrible. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's get to where the movie really begins, and that's where Mike goes up to Chris's place. I will say, one thing that really bothers me is that the dialogue is slightly different to what we saw in The Endless, as well as a few other minor things. So I don't know if that was done on purpose to say that Okay, so again, spoilers for The Endless. When loops are happening, it seems to be starting off exactly the same, but maybe the fact that some of the continuity here is slightly off is to show us that it's not always exactly the same. Yeah, I noticed that immediately after coming straight off the back of The Endless and watching this. It's like, oh, no, that's not what he says. That's not the loop. Yeah, and he's supposed to be shooting at the birds and yelling about the birds. Okay, you can come up, but don't don't mess with the birds. And he yeah. didn't say anything about that. I think because from a story point in The Endless, they don't spend that much time with them. So we wouldn't know what the heck he's talking about with the birds. I think as well, he's sitting on the opposite end of the porch. I think in The Endless, he's on the left side. Uh, but in resolution, he's on the right side as well. So 
Yeah. I, I think he also that. has the other arm as handcuffed. Yes. Yeah. Which seemed to me to be a huge continuity error, unless it's not a continuity error, unless they, they did that on purpose. I think, did they not mention in The Endless that they were, well, they definitely mentioned that they were trying everything and mm-hmm. different combinations of things. So they're definitely changing stuff. So I think he's got the keys. Maybe if we try your left hand instead of your right hand, maybe if we do things opposite. I think that's explained in The Endless, but... Maybe, but... Again, I still have that same problem of why do they start off seemingly knowing nothing, but then immediately getting into it? I mean, it's, what, five minutes before he's got him in a handcuff here? Right. Do they get their memory back by then? I don't know. So that part always, in the end, this always kind of sets me off that there's something from the movie-making standpoint that wasn't quite right. But that's... That's me. I think a lot of people wouldn't notice. A lot of people wouldn't care. (laughs) Yeah, they wouldn't be taking notes while watching this. They wouldn't watch it twice to make sure that they'd seen everything. If people are just going in to enjoy it, I don't don't think I would have... Well, I might have, actually, because it's the type of person I am. So I might have (laughs) noticed anyway. But I don't think I'd make quite as big of a deal about it. It wouldn't stop me from recommending the movie to anyone. Okay, so let's talk about the start. So... Chris is clearly drunk, probably on... I don't know, Mike makes a reference to, like, meth at one point, so perhaps he's on meth. Well, he's smoking that crack pipe a Mm. lot, so... Could be that as well. I don't know. I'm too inexperienced in all of this (laughs) to really know what he's on, but he's hallucinating birds. He's obsessed about certain things. deeply paranoid. Mm. Um, Chris's house is a mess. It's, like, not finished... He's living on a mattress that's just tore up. Yeah, dingy. Mm. But I love how when Mike comes up, Chris says he's living the dream. Yeah. Chris is apparently an artist, which comes up later. I'm not getting a great vibe of his art from what's on the walls. Mm. But Mike does say that Chris had painted a mural onto his wall. And apparently it must have been a good one, because if it was a terrible one, he wouldn't reference that Chris has talent. But he does do that later. Mike is here to offer Chris the chance to go to rehab. And Chris turns him down, doesn't want it. And at one point, Chris can't find his pipe. And Mike says he's found it. So he goes, he gets it, gives it back to him. And you think everything is fine until he's about to leave. He goes to shake his hand and uses a taser on him. (laughs) Don't tase me, bro. (laughs) And then handcuffs him to a pipe on the wall. And this is essentially where the key point of the story is, really. Mike is desperate to get his friend sober. Chris is desperate to not be sober. And Mike has in his head, if he can just get Chris sober for one week, everything will kind of work itself out. Oh, yeah. It totally works itself out, yeah. (laughs) Right. So this leads into Mike calling Jennifer for the first time. Mike leaves to get groceries and things. He stops at some random parking lot to call Jennifer because he says it's the only place where he can get a signal. And this is where he starts to lie. He's saying, oh yeah, Chris is for it. I'm really hopeful. Whereas Chris is not for this at all. (laughs) Yeah, he left out the fact that he tasered him and handcuffed him to a wall. But yeah, but he's got good hopes. This is the new therapy. When Mike comes back, he meets Sarah, the dog. Yeah. (laughs) Who Chris has claimed is his dog, but it's not. It's just this dog that shows up from time to time. Chris is clearly upset at having been handcuffed to the wall. Throughout the movie, he's going to try to escape. The worst one, of course, the first one where he's trying to 
saw through the chain with a toothbrush. <laughs> but it's at this point that we meet Billy and Micah, not Mike, where I got really confused. Why would they bother to name two characters Mike? It's Billy and Micah, who are just these scrawny guys that apparently they knew in high school. And they are now Chris's dealers. So they come up and they're saying, oh, where's Chris? You know, oh, Mike, it's good to see you. Where's Chris? And basically, Mike is stopping them from entering. Even brings out a baseball bat. And they say, oh, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. And then they just back away. Because clearly, they're not ready for somebody with a baseball bat to take them on. Yeah. Uh, Which made me wonder, like, mm -hmm. because... I was kind of like, well, you guys are out in the middle of nowhere. You've driven, I presumed, from when, the, when he was talking to Jennifer, like halfway across the country. But your high school buddies are here? Your high school tweaker buddies are here? Like, what's going on? Why are they here too? Well, Chris is here, but did Chris bring them No, with him? What? Have I missed something? Let's say Mike did have to go far to get here. The thing is, that means Mike left. Wherever they are, this is close to wherever their high school was. Ah, okay, so he's coming back home almost. Right, okay. Yeah, it's not that the other three all came to where Mike is, it's the other way around. Mike came back home. Ah. And so if these three guys who basically have done nothing with their lives, yeah, they wouldn't have gone very far. Right. Because, I mean, it looks like they're on, like, an Indian reservation or something, you know? Well, they are. Well, they, they, are, they are on that. But, I mean, yeah, I just... You don't see the town. You don't see anything. It was, it was done. I didn't make that connection. Yeah. So, obviously, Mike went away. He was successful. Got out of his little hometown where nothing happens. And, yeah, okay. It's at this point that Chris starts to speak about grey men and conspiracy. So, he has all these conspiracy theories. Like you said, he's got some paranoia going on. This becomes important later just because as Mike's trying to figure out what's going on, Chris is constantly saying it's satellites. <laughs> I don't know how they work. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly you don't because yeah. this is not exactly how satellites work. <laughs> satellites can't see inside your house <laughs> and round corners. Not around corners, not from <laughs> not from ground level looking no, it it doesn't work that way. Yeah. They would have to be looking from up, because that's where satellites are. They yeah. would be looking down on you. Since he's got kind of nothing else to do, and probably because he's trying to find all of Chris's stash, he heads under the house and finds a ton of guns and a box full of pictures, really old pictures. And they look very weird. There's one that seems to have like a bloody handprint on it. Mike asks Chris about these things, and basically Chris is just not interested. He's constantly just saying... There's weird stuff everywhere. And so he's just not interested. But Mike is immediately interested. Possibly because he has nothing else to entertain him except for Chris, who's insulting him and <laughs> yeah. upset at this point. But Chris also starts to speak of devil worship, right? Oh, there's all sorts of crazy stuff around here. There's devil worshippers. There's, you know, government conspiracy stuff. Everything's happening out here. At this point in the story, we get our first kind of solo walk where Mike goes off on his own. So he goes off on a walk on his own, and who does he pass by but Justin and Aaron, and is it Dave? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Who doesn't seem so out of it at this mm. point. But this is interesting because they use this footage to connect in The Endless, and they do seem very cult-like here, Yeah, right? Which, if you want more about that, I guess listen to the other episode because we talk about that a fair amount. But it's very interesting that it's just a blip, but then they've kind of based the whole 
other movie on this tiny blip in this. And it never happens again. I was expecting him to pass by them multiple times. I was expecting them to go to the, like, Arcadia, Camp Arcadia, or something. But yeah, there's nothing. Just like how Mike and Chris are a blip in the Endless. Mike also ends up in the kind of shipping container that we see in the Endless, which in the Endless, it flips up in the air, it hops up and down in a very creepy way. And in here, Mike has now found his second clue. Yeah. I got goosebumps when I saw that. And that's why I thought that watching The Endless first was better, because you get that dramatic scene in The Endless where, like you said, the, the container box kind of jumps into the air and crashes down again. And then when you see it in resolution, like, oh, that's that box. And then oh, we're actually going to get to see what's inside it this time. That was much better for me. I don't know why. This movie works better in reverse. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, we get our next clue inside this container box. And what was it? It was the... Was it a photograph? Or was it a CD or something in here? I think this one is... Isn't this a roll of film, I think? But he can't really look at it yet. Because he doesn't have a projector, yeah. So, that night... There's one of your favorite parts. Oh, my God. I freaked out when I saw that. You want to explain? Yeah. Because, yeah, I went through the whole movie not expecting any kind of weird horror elements, but they're just sleeping, and then there's this tapping on the glass, and there's this crazy woman with this massive Joker grin on her face just staring in at them, looking at them while they're sleeping. Man, I, th I think I screamed when I saw that. I was watching that alone with the headphones on. And just, yeah, that freaked me out. <laughs> Which Chris just kind of passes off as, oh, yeah, there's like a mental house. People wander down here all the time. Yeah. Which sounds like it must be the worst place ever. That they just let people wander off all the time. Yeah. But it explains... Um, Lizzie being able Lizzie to from, come down. From, yeah. the, from the Endless, yeah. Next day, Mike and Billy come back with a giant wrench. <laughs> Which... I just find laughable because if they are friends with Chris, they must know he has guns. And I do think it's kind of odd that Mike wouldn't get a gun out at some point. Yeah, only a tweaker would bring a wrench to a gunfight. <laughs> <laughs> right after these guys leave. And I think part of the reason they leave is because Charles and his group enter. So Charles is from some sort of native tribe and informs Mike that this is his house and they can do whatever they want because this is tribal land. Mike, not yet ready to give up on his quest to sober up his friend, offers Charles money for about five days to finish out the seven days. He's really gung-ho about needing the seven days. Yeah, well, because he read it in a magazine or on the internet or something, wasn't it? He's definitely done a lot of research. I made a note about that later. Wow, he must have read a lot because he keeps going oh you must be hitting this stage this is where you're gonna be dehydrated this is where you're gonna feel weak this is where you're gonna feel powerless it will get better i've read all about it yeah yeah <laughs> but charles seems yeah he's kind of creepy but i did not expect what happens later on in the movie because charles seems kind of like just like a stoic native american dude and fairly reasonable like you know it's my house give you some cash he works in a boring kind of job he's got a job as well but yeah he's like a, he's a security, security guard, guard. At the casino i think yeah. But, but yeah i did not expect what happens later to come yeah so basically he just he makes that deal and this is where mike goes in he's like what are you doing like you're you're on tribal land you're squatting in this house where chris goes no we're squatting i said like, no because we're gonna pay the dude so i've made the deal <laughs> and i love 
where Chris says, I hope you didn't pay too much because this place is terrible. And after living the dream, (laughs) I think now that he's starting to sober up, he's realizing it's not that great. Mike goes off for another small walk. He finds a record out in kind of an outdoor oven. Yeah. He then finds a shack that has tons of old equipment and things in it. And he plays the record and it's got a weird bit of dialogue. And at the end, it just skips over and over saying, please, please, please. So Mike asks about all of this stuff, especially with the video, because he's saying, well, why did you send me the video if you didn't want me to come? Why did you send me this map if you didn't come? And Chris says he didn't do it. So I don't have a camera. I don't have a computer. I sold that stuff to Carl a year ago, <laughs> which I think is great to, one, make reference to Carl, but also to say, yeah, of course, he wouldn't be able to. So this should have been a clue. But again, Chris is not a reliable narrator. He's not reliable in any way. So in that respect, you can understand why Mike would doubt his sincerity, would doubt anything that he's kind of saying. But next clue. I basically, at this point, I mostly focus on the clues because though the story is good on its own and what goes on between Mike and Chris is really good on its own, what interests me more is the other part of the story, the story that doesn't seem like it's part of anything until it becomes the story. And this is what they've done so well in The Endless, and what they've done so well here is they give you a different story that kind of masks the fact that there's this other story that is really more important, that is really the kind of overall story that's going on. And they've done that well, and they did it to me twice. And I knew kind of it was coming in this one, But boy, did I love watching it kind of unfold. So Mike finds a really beat up library book. It looks like it's been on fire or something. He follows that clue to the library, finds where that book should be. And in his place is like a page of slides, picture slides. So he goes back and starts to use some of this equipment in order to start looking at these things. And what I think is really interesting is that even though he doesn't receive the things in this order, the tech that essentially we get to see, at least towards the beginning, it seems to be going from low tech to higher tech because we are going from pictures to slides, which are slightly more, yeah, records, uh, slides, which are slightly more advanced, up to film, up to VHS, up to computer video. So for us, the viewer, it does go in this kind of order of very low tech to higher tech. It also is really good for pictures are very vague clues leading up to more modern video, which is much more specific. Right. And I think that it just is done so well in this movie that I wanted to make sure to make note of that. When Mike goes to pay Charles, he basically asks, what's the deal with the house? Why don't you fix it up or rent it out? And Charles says that it was rented before, but there's kind of a fire or something. He doesn't have the money to finish rebuilding it. Not that important now, but it does kind of become important later in the story. I think the next time we see Mike wake up, he wakes up with a picture just on his chest. He doesn't know how it got there. That one is one of the creepier ones, I think, because I'm assuming that they're sleeping with the doors locked because Mike and Billy could come back at any time. Yeah. 
This leads him to a grave, and that is where we find the VHS. Mike brings it back. On the VHS is a tiny snippet of Mike and Chris from the past. Chris assumes that somebody must have been filming it from outside. He also starts to, I think it's at this point where he starts to insinuate that Mike is making these things, which I don't know why he would think that, but again... Chris is very paranoid. Yeah. And at this point, Chris has just had it. He's like, I don't care about this mystery. And he'll say that for a lot of the movie. I don't care about this. This is crazy. It doesn't really matter. Which is so funny because he's so obsessed with conspiracies. I would think he would be eating this up. But because he's chained to the wall, (laughs) I think he's just going to be kind of obstinate. He's going to be against everything that Mike's for at this point. Just because he's mad, essentially. But when a computer plays a discussion that kind of just happened, this is where Chris is going off about. Oh, it's just satellites. They're everywhere, man. Don't you see them? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mike has a journal in French. He asked Charles about it and basically has to pay Charles to find out that there were some grad students that were studying something. We don't get much about it now. We get it later. At this point in the movie, Chris and Mike have a huge fight where Chris says, you know, he used to save Mike from fights when they were kids. He's trying to like pay him back for it, but this isn't the way to do it. This is the setup for the next fight, essentially. But Mike asks about this cave (laughs) and Chris said that Mike and Billy thought this cave was a drug trafficking cave from Mexico or something. (laughs) But it's kind of 50 miles from the border. But at this point, this is where Sarah gets shot. And this is kind of the straw that breaks Chris. And he's like, I've I've had it. I've had it. Chris is saying that basically his life is terrible. He's never happy. Drugs are the only time that he is happy. He's saying being a creative person sucks because you can't live a nine to five job and be happy with it. To which Mike counters, but I have a job. He's like, yeah, you're a graphic designer. You make pamphlets and things. You're a sellout. Yeah. (laughs) Just insults him, calling him a sellout. And says, Mike, you're only here to give meaning to your own life. You're trying to save me to make you feel better about yourself. And I'm going to sue you when this is done. What I love here is Mike is very calm. He's like, oh, okay. Uh, Here's some water. I'll see you later. And he just walks off, goes to the cave, sees some paintings on the wall, and then... Homeless guy yells at him and he runs away. <laughs> yeah. That freaked me out though when that homeless guy yells because he sounds like a demon in that cave, all that echo and stuff. It's like, yeah, that freaked me out on headphones as well. And this is where he twists his ankle. I don't know if it's really important to the story. I don't know if they're trying to use some symbolism here, but he does limp <laughs> through the rest of the movie. I, I kind of wonder if the actor actually accidentally like twisted his ankle and then they had to kind of go with it. <laughs> It is low-budget movie. You yeah. don't have time to wait for somebody to heal. Yeah. Uh, especially since the movie is basically these two guys. Yeah. These two guys are in pretty much every scene. One of them is is going to be there. Here's a time where Mike calls Jennifer again, and he, he lies to her. Oh, it was an ugly dog, but I want to know if I should talk to the owner. And so this leads him to going to the RV. And we've seen this RV in The Endless. And there's a French guy there, and he seems a bit obsessed with the mirror because he keeps flipping it around. But he says a lot of interesting things. This seems to be the closest we get to exposition in this movie so he's smoking red flower from seeds that he brought back from south america he says he's lived here for 30 years 30 years in this rv he was a grad student i think he had like a grant to study native american art he 
He came with two students who were studying more things like archaeology and folklore. He references the fact that they were arguing a lot, and then one day they just kind of disappeared, but they left behind their passports. He tried to find them, tried to track them down, tried to call the school. No records of them, as though they never existed. He also says that they were studying some things like lights and sound waves and how to manipulate them. Yeah, like quantum physics or something like that he mentions. But what they were really looking for was monsters, he says. He speaks of seeing this kind of uh, a glare and something beyond it, which I think is what they were trying to represent with the kind of domes that we could see in the endless. The the time bubble things, Mm. yeah. And he makes an interesting point, this question about how would a native, uneducated person make sense of the difference between an angel, a demon, a ghost, they would make a story. And there's a lot of reference to this. Mike, at this point, has a number of times referenced things being a story, and he'll just do that even more and more from now on. But here's where I just felt like this is the point where it gets stuck in our heads as viewers that everything is a story in some way. Mike returns, and Chris is passed out. His arm is out. It's bleeding, and Mike gets very, very worried, but we find out it's just a scratch. (laughs) When they wake up, a knife that Chris thought he had lost is there, and this image has been carved into the wall. Yeah, that was a bit freaky. (laughs) Which connects again what he saw in the cave, what Mike saw in the cave, to what's going on here. Trying to put together all of these things in some way are connected. And it's at this point that Mike really starts to speak about, these are all stories, and all the stories we've seen, they have like a messed up ending. They're terrible. And he speaks a lot about ending. And when he speaks about ending, this is where we get another camera shake and the kind of... Glare. Yeah. So we'll notice this a few times. When he mentions ending, we will see this. Chris, at this point, says a kind of heartfelt... I'm never going to rehab. Like, just let me kill myself the way I want to. So the thing is, they were about to get some sort of nicer ending, but it wasn't good enough. The projector kicks on and shows them images of their death. (laughs) And it's at this point that Chris is accusing Mike of doing Photoshop. Why are you doing this to me? He's like, I didn't do it. When would I have time to do this? He's like, the projector just switched itself on, man. Come on. Then there's... A video of Billy and Micah coming in and smashing them with the wrench. Mm -hmm. And this is where Mike says, it doesn't want me to go. It doesn't want me to go home. And it wants an ending. And he starts referring to things as this creature or this entity that he doesn't understand, but he's very convinced that it exists. This is one part where I'm, when I'm watching it, I'm I'm down for it. Mm -hmm. But when I'm thinking about it, I keep going, why does he assume that why does he assume that it's some sort of being why does he assume that i don't understand did well, you i mean because it's it's obviously supernatural i mean to me as well it would be supernatural it would be because what you're witnessing isn't physically possible you know someone has been in the room recording that conversation or is showing them dying you know it, it's out of this world otherworldly kind of physically impossible I mean, I would definitely go top shelf for my explanation of that. It'd have to be something crazy, like either that or Mike's been smoking some of Chris's stuff. I I would agree with Mike on that. Like Something deeply, deeply weird is going on. Chris agrees it's time to go. And so they go to get into the truck and they find a CD. Well, first they find the stash, which 
Mike takes and throws in the house. They come back, they find a CD, and Chris is like, don't play it, just don't play it. But Mike plays it anyway, and it's basically audio of Charles coming in and killing them. And just as he's about to die, Mike's like, no, 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 I'm a father. And then that's it. This is where they try to go. Mike can't go home, he says, because he doesn't want to take whatever this is with him. He needs to deal with it here, which I understand, though I kind of feel like you could deal with it in L.A. or somewhere else. You don't have to go home. Wherever home is, you could go somewhere else. Just get out of there, yeah. But he's convinced that he wants to get it done with here. Whatever's going on, he wants to get it over with here. Chris is understandably kind of freaked out. They hide in this other shack. There's so many shacks <laughs> around here. And, of course, Mike finds something else. He finds, like, a full movie reel, real, essentially. Yeah. And he's looking at it. What do you see? What do you see? And so he's looking at it. It's us, but it's hard to tell. The cabin's behind us. I don't know, because I don't have a projector and it's small. But it's at this point where Micah and Billy return, and they smash up Mike's windows and then they go in and they start essentially getting wasted. Yeah, because they find the stash, yeah. Which Mike says he purposely left in there for them to do that. Mike and Chris have their very heartfelt resolution at this point where Mike admits maybe he was trying to do this to make him feel good about himself. But trying to say, you know, Chris, you're not a bad guy. Like The reason I'm here is I like you. I hate to see you killing yourself this way. But you're an adult, man. You, you can do that if you want. And they're having this really great moment, and it seems like it's kind of over. And then Charles shows up. They kill Billy and Micah with no hesitation and set the place on fire, leave. And I love the fact that all the bullets in the lower area, once it gets hot enough, they just start exploding. <laughs> yeah. And Mike says, oh, is that it? And then Chris goes running towards the house. He's running to get the drugs. Thinks he can get in to get the drugs. And then he realizes at the last second, I can't. And he says, you know what? I don't want to die. And Mike says, do you want rehab? Chris says, yes, I've got to go right now. So we feel like we've done it. We've got a resolution. And then the real ending of the movie happens. Yeah. We see the camera kind of pan up. Chris is in fear. He bows down. And this is where Mike says, can we try it another way? And I do kind of wonder if they're trying to imply that... I, I don't know. I, I think this is where you come in, basically, with mm. your theories. Before we jump into the theories, though, I do want to say, again, just I love this movie. I think that they've done a terrific job with simple sets, very small cast. They've done a good job with, I would say, a very low-budget movie. I mean, The Endless is low, but this is even lower. Yeah. Like, they have done just something amazing here. The actors, I'm surprised they haven't been in much else because the heartfelt scenes that they have between the two of them are really good. And it is very possible that they're just acting as themselves, but there are a lot of actors that have made a career on kind of less than this. I feel like the scenes they have, their fights, and the ones where they make up are just so heartfelt and so genuine. They're really believable. I made a note of that too. It's like, they're talented actors. They've got excellent kind of chemistry with each other. They really make you believe that they're actually... I was hard-pushed to think that they weren't real friends in real life because they seem genuinely like that. They fight well. They make up well. They talk to each other well. Yeah, everything everything is great. I love movies like this where there's just like really simple sets and it's just dialogue, you know? It's when it, when it's when done it works, well. When yeah, it yeah. And the thing is, Chris is 
genuinely funny. Like, I find yeah. myself laughing at the stuff he says on a regular basis through this. And again, his bit in Endless, I rewatched that after watching this one. But yeah, gosh, they're just really good. They really know these characters, mm. and they're just so spot on. So, yeah, I just love it. And I think that that works very well. But let's get into theories here. Mm. So one thing, I don't know, did you ever watch all the way through the credits? Uh, no. Just a tiny little thing right at the end where the audio does the same kind of shake and mess up. Okay. There's a hint, yeah, this movie isn't really done yet Right. by doing that, but who would have sat through to the last 10 seconds of the credits? <laughs> not many people. It's not a Marvel movie. There's no... <laughs> Deadpool, well, Deadpool's not going to pop out. Yeah. So j- just beware that that does exist. So okay. theories. He asked for another way. Do you think... My one theory is that to start a loop again, you almost have to ask for it in some way. I've got two ideas about this movie. One of them is, yeah, do you have to ask for it? I don't know if you do, because in The Endless, Aaron and Justin are not asking for it. They're trying to actively escape it. It wants to trap them. I don't think it's something that you can ask for and you get it. This thing is going to control you. I love how Chris just gets on his knees. And even in The Endless, he's like, I wish I'd never done that. You know, he, he says don't that. Don't give in a bit. Yeah, that is kind of odd. I mean, I guess when that camera, I don't know how to describe it. It's like, it doesn't pan. It's almost like it's a creature raising up from the ground, isn't it? It's like the head is kind of raising up and it's like 15 feet tall. So they're seeing some kind of monster, I guess. That's what I took from it. And that's why he would just like, oh my God, this is like a a demon or something. That's why he gets on his knees. Mike asking for, is there another way? He's so tuned into this. Like what I get from that is like, he's on the ball. He almost knows exactly what's happening. He gets it. It's like, these are all stories you want. It's almost like the demon entity whatever is a director or uh, some kind of movie producer because he's like no that ending's rubbish i don't like it i'm changing it you're gonna get your faces knocked in with a wrench oh you escaped that okay well now i'm gonna shoot you and it's like it just gets progressively more and more violent and disturbing i see it as a monster movie but i can also understand on like an artistic level i could see it and i think they cheated in this movie i'll explain why because I think when they made this movie, it was made with a double kind of ending. You could go in and come away thinking, artistically, we the audience are the monster. Mm -hmm. We want to see more and more gruesome deaths. We don't want a happy ending. We don't want them just to write off and go to rehab. Like, no, we want something crazy. We want to be entertained. You know, the the old Colosseum gladiator days, you know, like we want to be entertained. We want blood. And like you said, all those little camera wobbles, it looks like it's a movie. Like, we're watching a movie. These characters even might not even be real. It's like, they're just pawns in a, in, a, in a game. And I think when they made this movie, I think they probably had that in mind. Yeah, it could be that. Yeah, it's artistic. And it's like, we the audience are the monsters. But we're going to throw in this actual monster. And then you can make up whatever you want. And then I think what they did with The Endless is they realized, like, man, we were onto something. That movie was great. Like, wouldn't it be cool if we actually fleshed out that monster universe part and ran with that instead? Because I think by the time you watch The Endless, you're like, no, no, it's not an artistic thing about cinema. and and, and It still could be, but... You'd be hard pushed to... No, I think that the symbolism could still be there. I mean, you see it. I mean, you see the monster. It's like... But anyway... What I would say is, by the time you've seen The Endless, it's not that. It's gone full-on Cthulhu and time travel, time bubbles, weird stuff. 
There was a part of me that wondered if Mike had started the Endless with this, but going back to think about the Endless, it's clear that a lot of the loops are much older. Yeah. Particularly that tent one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you said, it's almost like, and this is something I thought of as well, was like it, just like what you said, the technology improves and gives more details and stuff. Is it possible that the monster was the same? Is this an experiment where he's experimenting with time loops and the first one that we get with like the weird prospector guy is like, wow, that's a really short bubble. Like Possibly, and also I can possibly... Do, I can do better. Yeah, maybe the entity gains energy from these loops. And so once he has the tiny one built, he can build a bigger one like and a bigger scaffolding. one. Scaffolding, yeah, yeah. But... There's a few things, like, Resolution, without talking about The Endless, Resolution on its own is a good movie. It's great. It stands alone. Like, you could watch the Resolution and be done. I don't recommend that. I recommend you should watch The Endless, too. But you could pretty much get away with only watching The Endless. It, it's, it's fine on its own. But it does leave you wondering, does that time bubble already exist in there already? And because they're taken by the entity actively, like, were they being trapped? Because I think what that guy was saying, the Charles guy, he knows about this. I think he knows about this. That's why he's like, oh yeah, it burnt down and I haven't bothered to redo it. Because he's been burning it down every every two or three weeks, I think. He might be in that bubble and that's what he does. Or he might not be a part of that bubble, but he's putting people out of their misery. You know, he's going in, just shooting them, burning the house down, trying to get rid of this curse, basically. It's like an almost like a Native American uh, folklore curse kind of thing. Because I don't think he's a gangster. That's I, I, That part where they come in and they basically mow them down, like that, the Valentine's Day massacre, is so out of place like, for me. I was shocked at that. Like He didn't strike me as a bad guy. And I still don't think he is. I think he's going in there and putting down a lame animal, basically. He's like, you guys are screwed, you know? I'm trying to help you here. And I'm trying to wipe this house, this stain off of the reservation. But I just can't get rid of it. I've been trying for years. Which is why I do think he's not part of the loop. Right. I, 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 I agree with you. I, I think he's outside of it. Yeah. Because he's not died inside it. Why is he not part of it? Because maybe the entity is looking for... He doesn't want a bunch of boring uh, drug addicts. Mike is special for him. Right? So if, if we're looking at this god, this entity thing, whoa, he's got someone who's redeemable. And Chris is also... He's trying to help. Like we said, we as viewers have watched them and these guys have got great chemistry. I could watch I could watch another movie with these guys in it, you know? Again, we are maybe the monster in that in that sense as well. But if you take it literally, then the monster is like, wow, these guys are great. I'm keeping these guys. These are keepers. And that's it. And that's why he sent that message to Mike in the first place. Which is why I think that would be a much stronger theory. I think the fact that, especially in The Endless, when we've seen essentially the creature send something out to bring people back, it seems very much that same thing here. The entity is bringing in somebody that it wants. Yeah. I think that that's probably the theory that I land on the most. Mm. Again, I've got this down. How did the French guy escape? I don't know that the French guy did escape. And I'm starting to think that. Was he even part of the loop? Maybe he was like Charles, and maybe he was an outside observer. And he that, But he had been there for 30 years, but only as an observer looking for these students that he lost and trying to understand the area, maybe. But then I don't understand why he has that thing, like, I've left. He's got the date, but he's got, like, I don't know what year it is. Like, doesn't he have a calendar? Like, Well, he lives off the grid, so... I guess, yeah. But at the same time, I took it to mean that, yeah, he did 
probably escape or that he's trying to. I mean, maybe this is part of his loop as he goes off and tries. Sure. We don't really know. What I do think is very interesting is that in the Endless, the RV seemed to appear out of nowhere, but so did a mountain lion. Whereas in this movie, Chris is warning Mike about mountain lions. Oh, there's so many of them now. And you think he's being ridiculous, but then in the other movie, you actually do get to see one. So I don't know. I I guess that Chris isn't always crazy. (laughs) (laughs) But he doesn't always think things through. Uh, There's the part with the cave where he said, oh, yeah. There's a lot of homeless, like... Weirdos. Yeah. In that cave. You shouldn't go there. You shouldn't go there. Don't go to that cave I sent you to. We might edit this out. Mm-hmm. Do you think that um, Mike was lying about being a father? Because that has quite got large implications for The Endless. I don't think so. Because, you know, like when he's about to be shot, he's like, I'm a father. He doesn't say I'm a husband or I have a wife. He's right. like, he's, gonna, he's about to say I'm a father. Yeah. Because then at the end, when they're having the kind of heartfelt makeup while watching Mike and Billy be stupid in the house, Chris asks him, is it true? I mean, he didn't even get out the full word father, but he knew what was going on. And he said, are you really going to be? And Mike says, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm going. I'm not yet, but I'm going to be. When she do, oh, she's doing like seven months, you know, oh, boy or girl. I I don't know. It's a bit Mm -hmm. early. And they... They go through that whole thing. So it's part of why Mike says that now was the time before I have a kid to kind of prove that I'm worthy. Mm. It does become a bit weird in the fact that in the endless, he assumes he has a child. And I think he refers to it as a son, but he wouldn't know that. So I do think that's a slight kind of continuity problem there. Even from the looping standpoint, if he's coming in with only the knowledge he entered with, he wouldn't know he has a son. He wouldn't know that the son actually existed because, you know, sadly, lots of things can happen before a baby is born. So, yeah, I mean, unless unless that means that because people can visit and leave like Charles. So maybe who knows? Maybe Jennifer has already found them. And then no, he because told her to get in lost. the endless, she's looking for. Oh, yeah, that's right. She's looking for or, or someone with news. Has, has found them or something like that. Maybe. Brought news. Like a camera that sells beer. You know, someone obviously comes to pick up that beer and sell it. But yeah, it's, but, but the bottom line is this movie is so depressing because it's it's such a bummer. It's like these guys do not deserve this and they do not deserve to be put through that kind of hell. And not only that, you're now you're bringing in unborn children into this loop, grieving wives who are stuck here forever. It's like, that's so depressing. <laughs> yeah, but that's... The endless. Yeah, I know, but I mean, it's. I just. I, I don't know why all of a sudden this one is the one that's depressing you, <laughs> whereas the endless is where we find out that that's what's actually happening. Yeah, yeah. At this point, we don't know. That's what would have really bothered me if I had watched Resolution with nothing else. I think the way that they kind of panned up, but looked down, as you said, show that is a giant creature looking down on them. Chris is scared. He's bowing, and Mike asks for another chance. But I don't know if you get another chance. For all I know, the creature's going to eat them. Yeah. And that would have really bothered me. I don't like those kind of open-ended endings. So, yeah, I I think there is that aspect to it. But continuity errors aside, I love these two movies. I love the way that they work together. Yeah, me too. Me too. But I wonder wonder if there will be a third movie then, because... We we discussed this before. Do we want one? Do we want one? I kind of don't. I kind of like the way The Endless is, the way it ends, but... But it's endless. (laughs) Yeah, uh, so was the never-ending story, but I could have <laughs> skipped two and 
did skip three. Yeah. I personally, I like where it ends. Me too. I don't, I don't want them to mess it up. But if they did it well, it would, that would be awesome. Because imagine if that whole plot was to get Mike's wife there, actually, and to have a child in the bubble. Because she'll give birth in the 10-year bubble, for sure. She, she's in the Camp Arcadia 10-year bubble, yeah? Except she's already had the baby at this point. Oh, she has had the baby at this point. Well, even... Oh, did she have it in the camp? No. No, okay. Did that Was that mentioned in The Endless? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure she mentioned that she wants to get home to her son. Ah, uh, okay, so the baby's not there. Oh, well, then, no time babies, then. <laughs> it's an interesting theory. I mean, they've kind of slightly altered resolution when they got to the Endless, so maybe they'll slightly alter the Endless uh-huh. when they get to the next one. But I... Look, if they make another one, I'm definitely going to see it. Yeah, for sure. But I kind of like where it is. And I'd also like to see these guys try something different. Mm. I don't want them to be stuck as only being this. This is all they can do. I'd like another movie in this kind of genre, for sure, though. I'd like them to make another one of these styles movies, but just not... Not in this kind of universe, universe. not with the time loops. Something totally separate. Mm. I think that's maybe what they tried with Spring. They, oh. they, they, they... <laughs> <laughs> like so maybe that's not what I want. Uh, maybe this is a time where I say I want something, but it's not really what I want. Yeah. Uh, I just hate for these guys to get stuck into this is all they can do. Whereas I feel like what they've done with these small budget movies, what they've done with actors that feel genuine and have these kind of amazing heartfelt conversations, I would like to see more of that. And by all means, please put it into some science fiction or some horror or some other genre where often we don't get enough of that. Yeah, I agreed. Which I think is kind of why I'm just like, yeah, I, I want to see something else. I want more. I want more, but I want something that's like this, but I don't want you to feel stuck in the... I don't want them to be stuck in their own creative loop. Well, yeah, maybe maybe that is the, the moral of the story after all. So if you like this episode, if you like what we do, by all means, check out our other episodes or check out our other podcast, Buyer's Remorse, in which we subject each other to games that are in our library, but we haven't played yet. There are a lot of them. A lot of gems. And not so much. (laughs) We also have our Steam group under the same name, Filling in the Gaps, where we do reviews, we put out announcements for upcoming episodes... And Darren is very good at giveaways. I love doing giveaways. I'm the I'm the giveaway person, yeah. So if you want to solve some puzzles to win some games, join the group. Give it a go. Some of them are hard. Some of them are, well, not so hard. And if you want to leave us some comments, say how great we're doing, hopefully. Or <laughs> some ideas on how to maybe improve things a bit. Or games you'd like to have us play, movies you'd like us to watch. Filling in the gaps podcast at gmail.com is still probably the best way to get a hold of us, though we do tend to check comments when we get them. We have so few that we, we treasure them. <laughs> Put them in little glass boxes. We done? I think so. Gaps filled and more gaps created. <laughs>